Good morning, everyone. Please help yourself to some coffee. I want to thank uh, Rhonda Shabal for sponsoring this morning, commemoration of the earth side of her beloved mother. Irene Gerda with Schaefer Neshama should have an aliyah. Amen. We are on page Samachay. And see Vashal Neslan Marebbe's Yisodeh HaTorah. On the section on Dveikas, we've been talking about what it means to cleave, to cling to Hashem, how to live a life of mindfulness, the presence of Hashem in everything that we, uh, that we do. Last night I participated in a panel discussion at uh, Chabad of West Boca. Oh, it was fabulous, but it was fun. Wow, clap, wow, and applause. Um, it was called Rapid Fire. And uh, basically there was a moderator who asked questions and we had 60 seconds to answer. People had submitted questions. And one of the questions that was submitted that was asked, and far too little time was allocated to answer, was how can we improve our amuna and bitachon in life? How can we live with more amuna and bitachon? So Clearly on the minds of, uh, of many people. So I thank God, I was very grateful for our class because I was able to, <laughs> to draw from it and try to, uh, and try to formulate an answer. We recognized it when you answered. Yeah, yeah, it sounded familiar to you. Right. So, so one of the things, um, I actually answered and then I... You were allowed to respond to someone else, so I waited for someone else, and then I got another 60 seconds by responding. So the second time, I added exactly what we're learning now, which is, uh, let's start again from the Gimel. This mitzvah of, of uh, or there's, there's chairs here, this mitzvah of dveikos, of feeling connected, cleaving to Hashem, clinging to Hashem, Pasuk says in a few places that we have to be davakba, we have to connect Him. Right? As we've been saying for the last several weeks, maybe months, Dveikus is from the root Devek. Devek means glue. We're supposed to stick to God, stick to Him like glue. But we also studied an alternative, alternative interpretation, which is, right, the Gemara asks, is it possible to cling to Hashem? Hashem is like a consuming fire. It's the source of everything. If you get too close, you'll burn yourself. So what does it mean? So how do you connect to Hashem? By connecting to Tamid HaChachamim. HaDivek with Tamid HaChachamim, the ideal is to feel Hashem's presence in your own life. The ideal is to interpret all the world and everything that happens to you as expressions of Hashem. However, if one struggles, if one feels there's an obstacle, there's a barrier, it's hard to feel Hashem in life, then the way we find inspiration is to cling to those who have great faith. So I said last night, as we've shared here, I know I derive great chizuk, by spending time with Holocaust survivors who live with Amuna, by spending time with people who've been through horrible tragedies and difficult situations, people who've been victims of terror in Israel, who've lost family members and nevertheless preserve their, their deep sense of Amuna. So when we cling to those paradigms and examples of Amuna and Bitachon, it can give us strength as well. So the Salaam Rabbi describes his parashu beis apsukim anal, as Hashem alakecha tira ubo tidbak, apasak hashen eliyavas Hashem alakecha uledav gabo, we have the mitzvah of dveikos, we have the commandment to stick with Hashem, we have it connected with and juxtaposed to two different things. In one verse it says, have awe of God and cling to Him. And in the other verse it says, love God and cling to Him. What is this revealing to us, says the Slanam Rebbe? That there's not one path to feeling connected and clinging to God, but there's two ways that one can do it both through Yira and through Ava. What's Yira? Let's define Yira again. We spent the whole Shabbat Shuvah Russia about it this past year, so we're not going to spend an hour and a half now, but Yira is not fear. It's a mistranslation. The lowest level of Yira is fear. That's Yira Sa'onash, fear of punishment. Uh, the the um, Rav Yisrael 
Salanter and others saw as a very high level, Yira Sa'unish. Halavai, that we should reach that level of a fear of punishment, of a fear of getting caught, of a fear of being exposed. Right? Another one bites the dust this morning. I don't know if you woke up to find Matt Lauer is fired yeah. last yeah. night. So every day it's just... Uh, you know, every day. Every day. So I hope I'm not the last man standing. That's all I'm saying. But... All right, all right, I don't need to distract everybody. But what's my point? We live in the age where for, for many decades, centuries, millennia, men, women misbehaved, acted inappropriately, violated others... But, you know, the old rules of, of fear and of uh, intimidation, they felt protected. Today, there's a healthy sense of Yerasa Onish because the internet, because of social media. You know, I think it was uh, Justice Brandeis who said that sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. And, and social media, the internet, the internet shines a spotlight, sunlight, on all kinds of scandals. And sunlight is the greatest disinfectant because it exposes things and then they can be addressed. So now people live with that year in the opposite direction, a fear that they can get caught. So one can be motivated to behave, to treat others appropriately, not to be corrupt because they see that's, those are values, that's the way to live. Or one can be motivated to do that because they say, I'm really afraid I'm going to lose my job, my name is going to be plastered all over the media, it's going to be humiliating and embarrassing. So it's obvious that the lower level is Yiras HaOnesh. So we can live in fear saying, well, if I don't make a bracha before I eat and dam with kavana, if I speak Lashon Hara, if I look at the wrong thing on the internet, lightning's going to strike, I'm not going to have a livelihood, I won't have nachas for my children, I'll show them bias issues. So Yiras HaOnesh, I'm living with this fear of punishment, so I guess I, I live with this fear. That's a very low level. That's not the way we want a relationship, right? With our children. Our children could say, really, I'm tempted to do A, B, and C. The only reason I don't do it is my parents will take away my phone. The only reason I don't do it is I'll be grounded, I can't go out Saturday night. So as a parent, you say, ah, that's devastating. I don't want you to only refrain from the behavior because you're fearful that I'm going to punish. Why do I want you to refrain from that behavior? Because you have a sense of yira, a sense of awe, of admiration. Because you look at who I am and what I stand for, my values, my lifestyle, and you say, I want a part of that. I want a piece of that. That's how I want to live. I want to emulate that. So yira does not mean Yiras HaOnesh. That's the first level, and it, it is a very healthy mechanism, right? We, we are conditioned. There's positive conditioning, there's negative conditioning, there's reward, there's punishment. We all have it all the time in life. It's what drives us, right? The first time you touch something hot, you burned yourself. Right. So that punishment, which wasn't an external punishment, it was just implicit in the activity, was very healthy. Why? Because you never touch that hot thing again. It, you very quickly learned not to do it again. So that's why our children at a young age, we take away their toy, we put them in time out because we're conditioning them. Right? Psychologists can debate. Is it better to negatively condition or positively condition, punish, reward, what system, what methodology? I'm sure one can have a healthy debate about that. But it works, and it works in our own life that you, know, you ate something, it disagreed with you, you spent the whole night sick, you don't eat, hopefully, if you're smart, you don't eat that thing again. Right? Most of us have a very healthy uh, dose of amnesia. Because the, our, our, our uh, salivary glands and taste buds cause us to forget. So there's yiras ha'onash, there's a fear of punishment, which is very healthy, it's good, but it's a low level. The real goal is a yiras ha'romamus, to feel a sense of awe. So dveikas could be the result of yira, which means I have such an awareness of Hashem and I have such awe of the way He runs the world 
that I just want to connect with him. I just want to cling to him. You know, there are, you know, Rabbi David Foreman was here a few weeks ago. Rabbi David Foreman is a phenomenal speaker, really, really creative um, way of, of viewing and, and teaching Torah. So he has a few groupies in our community. So when he was here that Shabbos, I literally need to almost like take out a restraining order for him against some of those groupies who would not leave them alone. I needed like a crowbar to separate them. So why? Why, why was that happening? So the groupies were not living with fear of Rabbi Foreman. They were living with awe of Rabbi Foreman. They watch his Aleph Beta videos. They read his Torah. They're so incredibly moved. Their life is so enriched by his Torah that they have such awe of him. So what's the result of awe? Dveikas. They were just clinging to him. They were just talking to him, following him around. They were like on top of him. So when one has an awe of someone, of something, they cling to it. Right? You love that new song. It moves you. It elevates you. It lifts your spirits. It lifts your soul. You just cling to it. You keep playing it and playing it and playing it until eventually you, know, you lose the awe and you get sick of it and you move on. But whatever it is that you have awe of, you connect with. That's the one level. It's Hashem Lekecha Tira Bak. The second pasuk is the Avas Hashem Lekecha Uladavka Bo. But you also have Dveikas that stems, Dveikas that's driven by another emotion. And that's Ava. Not an awe and recoiling with a sense of admiration of the greatness and the vastness and the expertise, but rather the ava, the love, the affection. Yira generates a sense of distance. Because with Yira, you recoil. Wow, that is you, that is so much greater than me. I feel so insignificant, so inconsequential, so small, in contrast to that which I have awe of. I want to cling to that which I have awe of, because I'm so inspired by it, or by him or her, but I also recoil with a sense of, wow, I'm so nothing. Ava creates the opposite. Ava is, there's a love, there's an affection. And that love creates a casual relationship. That love creates that connection where I feel comfortable and it feels casual because there's love, there's affection, there's intimacy. This duality is something that we have with Hashem all the time. Again, it was the, I'm happy to send the source sheets, there is no recording of the Shabbat of Drasha. Um, but this is what we talked about there is the balance, which one comes first, the different types of era and why we need more we're living in a generation of lots of ava. Spirituality and love and yoga and singing and kumbaya and connection. <laughs> Hashem, religion is supposed to make me feel good and feel good about myself and love. Hashem shouldn't ask anything of me that makes me uncomfortable or makes me sacrifice or compromise. Love and love and love. And we and our children need a really healthy dose of Yerah we need a little bit more Yira Shemayim. That it's not about you and you're feeling good. It's about responsibility. It's about accountability. It's about a relationship. We need a healthy dose of, of, of Yira. That's what we talked about. But that duality is something that's present in our relationship with Hashem every single day. I'll give you an example that was not in the Shabbat Russia. The Avudraham. The Avudraham writes that implicit in every bracha is a change in the grammar. Because it reflects exactly this. What's a bracha? That we, how do we make every bracha? Baruch... Ata Hashem. We start out with Ava. Blessed Baruch Ata. You, Hashem. You know, it's an amazing thing. I was trained when I was in Yeshiva, and until this very day, I refer to my Rebbeim in third person. It's like natural. I can't even imagine. Rabbi Rebbeinaviki was just here for Shabbos. He's one of my Rebbeim. When I speak to Rav Shechter, I speak, when I speak to their wives, Eishas Chavar Kechavar, when I speak to a great Rebbetzin, I speak to him in third person. How is the Rebbetzin doing? What does the Rebbetzin think? When can, can Rebbe and the Rebbetzin come for Shabbos? What's new? Is Rebbe available to talk for a minute? In third person, it's, it's, it's deferential, it's respectful. If I were to say to them, you, I would feel bizarre. 
But the couple times I've slipped or that it's just really complicated how to say it in a third person way and you say you, you know, it, 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 it feels like weird. It's too casual. It's not, it's not right. And yet, every time I have a cup of water, I'll do it right now. How do we begin every time? So Rabbi, Rabbi Vicky, Rav Shechter, Rav Asher Weiss, my Rebbeim, I say, does Rebbe want third person, third person, third person, third person? I talk to Hashem, I speak to him in? First person. First person. You. Hey you, Hashem. You. You, give me this. Hey you, give me that. Hey you. Good job on the water. Hey you. Baruch ata, 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 ata. What do we do right away? All of a sudden we recoil and we go, whoa, 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 one second. I just called you ata? Whoa. I recoil and I switch from that first person to now talk about God as the king of the universe. The Avodraham says that about Barachos. It's true also about the system of davening. What do we do immediately after we say Shemona Esrei? You may not be as familiar if you don't daven in a minion, but in, when you're in front of a Torah, you fall on your arm and you say Tachanan. Monday and Thursday, you say the long version of Tachanan. The other days, you say a shorter version of Tachanan. And the posture of Tachanan, when you're in front of a Torah or in a shul or base medrash, is to fall on your arm, to fall over, and you say Tachanan. What's Tachanan? I'm nothing, I'm a gornist, you're everything, I'm unworthy. The halacha is that you're not allowed to talk from Baruch Sha'amar, certainly from Baruchu, till the end of Tachanan. Why is it till the end of Tachanan? I would think a natural break is the Amidah's over, Chazar Sashat is over, you gotta tell something to this person next to you. Tell them, then say Tachanan. Why do they go together as one unit that you can't interrupt and you can't talk until after Tachanan? And the answer is, because the Amidah and Tachanan go together. What's the Amidah? You, 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 you. You give me this, you give me that. You, I'm demanding, I'm asking. It's casual, it's comfortable. We're in this intimate, one-on-one setting with Hashem. And all of a sudden, I have to pause afterwards and say, whoa, you know what? I can't get too casual and comfortable. We recoil with a sense of awe that I can't come too close. So we fall on our arm and we remember, He's everything, I'm nothing. So this is implicit in every bracha we say. It's included in our davening every day. It's part of this whole balance, the yin and yang of our relationship with Hashem is, Ava, talk to me like I'm your best friend, Hashem says. We just spoke about in our cup of joe on Wednesday morning, in the 10 minutes, that uh, it's on Facebook or will be online later if you want to listen. We just talked about that on the one hand, you know, when you're alone in the car, you're alone in the kitchen, you have a few minutes to yourself, don't put on music. Don't put on sheer, don't put on radio, don't put on talk. Just talk to Hashem like He's your best friend. So on the one hand, Hashem says, talk to me. Come on, I'm your best friend. Come on, tell me everything. What's going on? What's happening? What are you grateful for? What are you afraid of? What do you need? What are you disappointed in? Tell me everything. Tell me everything. What's going on in your life? Come on, tell me everything. On the other hand, we say, whoa, I just had an amazing casual conversation with Hashem. He's my best friend. But I also have to remember that he's also the king of kings. He's also someone that I have this other relationship with. So each of those, the Ava and the Yira, the love, which is casual, the awe, which is causes me to recoil. Both of them generate dveikus, but from a different angle. The result of both is I want to cling to the subject of my love, to the object of my awe. Why I want to cling to them is driven by a different emotion, but both lead in the path towards wanting to cling. So whether you love somebody and you just want to be close with them and spend enough time with them and you can't spend enough time with them and you miss them and you want to connect with them, or whether you have this awe, the Rabbi Foreman groupie, who says, I, I'm such awe of his methodology, I just want to be with him all the time. I'm such awe. I just want to read and gobble up everything he's ever written, everything he's ever taught. I just want to gobble it up. 
Which one comes first? Which one comes first? Yira comes first. Resh is Chachma, Yira Hashem. As he quotes the Pasuk. Which one comes first chronologically? The sense of Ava has to be built on the foundation of Yira. The love and the casual has to be built on the foundation of awe. You know, teachers go through this. Every teacher of a new classroom has to be strict until Hanukkah. And after Hanukkah, you could be loving. First, you have to establish a sense of a healthy dose of Yira. Any teachers in here, former teachers? But if you begin that first day with, I'm your best friend, and we're casual, it's comfortable, and no problem, and do what you want, and walk all over me, and that, you'll never recover. Ever. So you have to begin with a healthy sense of Yira. You have to, you have to begin with, here are the rules, and here are the boundaries, and here's how you have to why is it that my Rebbeim don't say to me, Ephraim, call me uh, Herschel. Ephraim, call me Asher. Why, do they, why don't they say that? Why are they willing to accept being referred to in third person? You think it's not awkward for them? These are among the most humble people I ever met. They don't like it, but they understand. First of all, they called their Rebbeim that. Who's, they called their Rebbeim that. And they understand that we're trying to generate in a world that has no respect for authority, in a world that's too casual and comfortable with everybody, a world that's on a first-name basis, literally and figuratively, with everybody, mm-hmm. right? Then we're trying to create a sense of honor and respect and dignity and awe. So the foundation, whether you're a teacher in a classroom or a parent in a home or a rebbe of a Talmud, you have to be founded with awe. And against the backdrop, built on the foundation of awe, you can now say, now we're comfortable, now we're casual, now you're, please feel close, please feel connected. So Yira brings us to Dveikas. Right, we talked about this at length also. That we think that we have free will. We think we're making choices in our life. Remember we talked about this several weeks ago? It's all an illusion. What you're wearing and the music you listen to and who you are and how you think and how you vote. It's all pre-programmed. It's when you were born and who you were born into and the DNA and the genetics that make up your well-being. So the only choice, all that's pre-programmed. Right? You can meet someone and within five minutes you can know what they believe about everything. Because if you understand their background and where they come from and what Shabbos table they grew up at and how their parents voted, you can predict what they believe about abortion and gun control and every topic under the sun. That's what I find. I find most people, most people are highly predictable in a very short period of time. So what's the only choice that we have is Yira Shemayim. What do we do with all of that? Okay, so it was to a great degree predetermined. Our athletic ability, our intellect, our IQ, our memory, our artistic ability, our socioeconomic status, our career. So much of that was already predetermined and pre-programmed. But what we do with all of that, the meaning, the richness we give it, do we use it to advance ourselves or to improve the world? All of that, which also happens to be the most important thing, that's what's up to us. That's what's up to us. If you have Yeras Hashem, you're not lacking anything at all. Why? Because you have the capacity to interpret everything in the world through that Yeras Hashem. So whatever challenge, whatever hardship, whatever obstacle you face, whatever's going on in your life, whatever blessing you receive, if you live with a sense of Yeras, if you live with a sense that Hashem is in my life, now you're wearing the glasses to be able to accept and to receive and to interpret whatever is coming your way through that lens. So, in a chosar klau, you're not missing anything at all. You understand that whatever, whatever was blocked from you, that wasn't meant to be for whatever reason. 
And whatever door became open for you, that was meant to be. And whatever challenge you have with family in life, then that's your, that's your challenge. That's also your growth spurt opportunity. That's your opportunity to have that, to have that growth spurt. When the Zohar talks about this, that if you have Yira, you're not missing anything at all, the Zohar is talking about the core root Yira, which is the Yira of life, which is Dveikas, to connect, to cling. Right, this is what we were talking about a moment again. There's a year which is fear. Year which is fear is debilitating. Fear is very debilitating. You know, our generation is suffering. Let's not call it fear, let's call it anxiety. When I was a kid, I didn't know any other kids that had anxiety. Today, talk to the schools and you'll find out half the student population in every school is on some anxiety medication, is suffering anxiety. There's an article I just read that talked about um, its cell phones and social media, which has generated the anxiety, the depression, the sadness, the mental health challenges in kids and adults, that there's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous challenges in these areas. We're first now seeing the impact of the world that changed at a pace faster than we were able to respond to it. So what's anxiety if not fear? Anxiety is fear. So there are, medi- there are people who need medication. There's nothing wrong with medication. It's very helpful. But one has to get to what is the root of that anxiety, what is the root of that fear. Anxiety is not good. Right? So, Yiras Hashem, anxiety about Hashem, is that good? We know people like that. It's a, it's a very unhealthy state. Right? You're so worried if someone's going to strike you down. And you do, you know, people have OCD with religion. There's actually a clinical name for that. It's called scrupulosity. It's, a, it's written today about people who express their obsessive compulsive predisposition through religion. And why do they do that? Why is religion a place? that naturally people can be OCD. Because in the world in general, you're weird if you're OCD. If you wash your hands a thousand times, if you keep going back to check if you left the oven on, so then there's something wrong with you. But if you have a really long Shemona Esrei because you keep saying the same words over and over because you're not sure you got it right, we honor you at the dinner because you're so righteous. Right? If you're so careful with the laws of Nida, or you're so scrupulous with the laws of Kashras, or you're so obsessed with the laws of religion, so then you get the woman of the year, Aisha Chayal Award, because wow, you're so righteous. So it's very dangerous that people who have an OCD tendency are able to express it in religion. It's very, very dangerous. What's the word again? Scrupulosity. There's actually been, been literature written about this now. Um, former Chavrusa of mine, a rabbi in Elizabeth, New Jersey, who's also a psychologist. I know him as Tani Schwartz. Now he's Rabbi Jonathan Schwartz. So he's, he's uh, an expert in this area. He's written about it. And uh, he's opened my eyes to it. But, but so I'm saying there, that anxiety about religion is not good. That's not Yira Shemayim. That's not leading to Dvekas. That's debilitating. It's unhealthy. It's not good. That's not healthy. So what is the healthy Yira Shemayim? So that's what he's saying. The Zohar is not talking about that. It's talking about a Yira Shemayim L'chaim. It's talking about a Yira Hashem that doesn't deplete your life. It doesn't draw away from your life. It doesn't stress you out in life or, or, or debilitate your life, does the opposite. It gives you life. So how does that happen? So Rabbi Soloveitchik writes in al he says, Rabbi Soloveitchik writes that in the Yom Noram time, a psychologist came to him and said, you know, this is a very bad religion because what's with all the fear stuff? 
What do we say in davening in Yom Naraim? God, just make us very afraid of you. Give us a lot of fear. So the psychologist came to Rabbi Salavitchik and said, fear? I spend my whole day counseling people how to get rid of fear. And we're going to come to Shulam Dav and God, let me just have a healthy dose of fear? So the Rav explained to him, you, you don't understand fear. He said, every other fear is debilitating. What do I mean? If you have a fear of public speaking, you're going to be afraid to speak publicly. If you have... What's it called? The agoraphobia? If you have a fear of public places, then you're never going to leave your house. You have a fear of being in public places. If you have a fear of anxiety about whatever, you're going to have an anxiety and you're not going to be able to do it. All the other fears are debilitating. There's only one fear which actually liberates you from all other fears. And that's Yeras Hashem. Because if you live with Yeras Hashem, you could say, why am I afraid to go out in public? Whatever happens there, it's for a reason. It's from Hashem. Why am I afraid to speak publicly? Hashem will give me the ability to speak publicly. And if I fall flat on my face, that was meant to be. And that's good for me. Yiras Hashem is the only fear that supplants and replaces the other fears. It liberates us from the other fears. So in fact, there's a lot of good things and practices for how to get rid of anxiety. I don't think in the arsenal of the mental health professionals, though it should be, is growing in your Yiras Hashem. The more we grow in Yiras Hashem the less anxiety we'll have in other areas. Because whatever you were so anxious about, what's going to be with my kids? What's going to be with this challah? What's going to be with Shabbos? What's going to be with my trip? What's going to be with the dress? What's going to be with the... Whatever things people get anxious about, just let go and let God. The moment you can... Now, only if you have Yeras Hashem. If you don't fundamentally believe that whatever happens in life is for a reason, that it's organized and dictated, this providence, that it's from above, so then you can't let go of these anxieties because how do you know it's going to work out well? How do you know it's going to all be for the good? In fact, I don't know how you can not believe in Hashem and not be anxious all the time. If you don't believe in Hashem in this crazy world we live in where so much can happen at any given moment and every day the entire world changes, I don't know how you get, a bit, get out of bed in the morning if you don't have your Hashem. I don't know how you're not frozen with anxiety if you don't have your Hashem. So the real antidote to anxiety, some people need therapy, medication, I'm not minimizing that, but a healthy contribution to relieving anxiety is Yiras Hashem, let go. In the 12-step world, they, they have that language. Let go and let God. The 12-step world, which is, I think, very, very brilliant, and I've seen its success, and I'm studying it more closely lately, is all about submitting to a higher power. It's all about Yiras Hashem. Right? AA meetings, or any 12-step meeting, N-A-A-A-S-A-G-A, they're all what davening is supposed to be. You get together with a group of people on a regular basis, you submit to a higher power, you talk about how you can grow as people, you try to become more humble by putting your ego to the side, you spend a moment praying. It's, it's actually a, a real example of what davening is supposed to be. It's a great equalizer. You go into an AA meeting, I've been to several, um, where I went to be able to uh, recognize people I know who've achieved certain milestones, and it's unbelievable. In that room, there are people wearing $5,000 suits and homeless people. And in that room, everybody's equal. Because their ego is put aside because they're all dealing with the same things. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable thing. Really, really powerful. We're actually going to be starting meetings at BRS, both AA and Al-Anon, which is for the family members who are, who are supporting those with, um, those with addiction. So that, that's what submitting to a higher power, how do I get on this? Because their language they use is, among their great catchphrases, is let go, let God. Just let go. Why, what drives, right, what the conclusion of the, the core of AA is the belief. There's a great book by Menachem Poznansky about the 12 steps in Torah. 
with an introduction by Dr. Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tversky. It's a tiny book. You can yeah. finish it in one sitting, but it's a very worthwhile read. So what does he say is at the core of, of the 12-step program is the recognition that whatever you were addicted to, you weren't addicted to because you love it or need it so much, but you were filling a hole. You were making yourself numb. You had such anxiety, worry, fear, discomfort about something else that the only way to live, the only way to get out of bed was to numb yourself to it, was to fill that hole, that void with this other addiction, with this other behavior. So the solution to it is not to believe that you could conquer that, that source of the addiction. The solution to it is to fill the hole, is to not need to be numb. So how do you do that? By submitting to a higher power. So if you're anxious all the time and you're worried and how things are going to work out, you feel inadequate, <coughs> insecure, and you lack self-esteem, then you're going to drink or you're going to do drugs because it's the only thing that gives you, you know, they call alcohol liquid courage. It's the only thing that's going to give you the liquid courage. But if you realize you can submit to a higher power, if you can let go, let God, if you could live life with faith, so then you don't need that other thing. Right? So the AA is really just another version of Rabbi Soloveitchik's insight into Yiras Hashem. That Yiras Hashem is not like Pachat. His answer to the psychologist was not, was, you know, you're right, fear is debilitating, fear is bad, fear creates anxiety. We have billions of dollars a year on medications to help us get over our fears. You're right. But Yiras Hashem is not like any other fear. Yiras Hashem is the only fear that not only doesn't debilitate or paralyze, it unburdens and it releases you of all other fears. And it gives you the capacity to finally live life. Yiras Hashem l'chaim yadvikas ayoser gedola mikola avos. So how does that work? What is every 12-step meeting? I wasn't planning on speaking about this today. What is every 12-step meeting is, is let go and let God. Get together. Some people go to two meetings a day. Some people go to three meetings a week, one meeting a week. However many meetings they go to, what are they doing? They're meeting. It's a support group. That's what we're doing. We're a support group on Wednesday mornings for Amuna. But what they're doing is meeting about Yiras Hashem. Let go, let God. Understand whatever challenge is going on in your life. You can get through it. There's a reason. You have the strength. There's a, there's a purpose. So, Dvika, stick with Hashem. When you're anxious, when you're reaching for the bottle, when you think there's no other way out, at that moment, practice Dvikas. At that very moment, cling to Hashem, cleave to Him, and that's what's going to give you life. It won't take away your life, it won't ruin your life, it's what will actually give you life. Because God is the one who provides and we receive. Whenever we're on the receiving end, we are predisposed to be more anxious. Whoever's on the giving end is in the driver's seat. So Yira is realizing we're on the receiving end. Hashem gives, we receive. Hashem provides, we need. So we're positioned to be more anxious. But if we turn that anxiety into clinging to the giver, then we can actually unburden ourselves. The one who receives realizes, really, I have no merit. Realize, I, really, I have no leg to stand on. Realize, really, I'm unworthy without the kindness and the generosity of the one who's giving. So if you say, you know what? I need that person so badly. Right? There are people in our lives that we need very badly. We need them. It's somebody who's treating our children it's somebody who's financially helping us. It's somebody, whatever the person's helping us with, we have people that we need very badly. So the people that we need very badly are the relationships that we don't neglect in our life. Those are the relationships that we cling to those people. 
I don't mean in a bad way that we're kissing up to them or we're, you know, I, I just mean that we're nurturing those relationships. What? We rely upon them. Right, the people we rely on, we nurture those relationships. It's, the, it's at least the way we're supposed to be. That we nurture the relationships of those upon whom we rely. So that's what Islam Rebbe is saying. If you realize that you rely on Hashem, that's the relationship you're going to nurture. That equals dveikus. You cling to Hashem because you're nurturing that relationship. Because you realize how much you rely. So the yira doesn't push you further away from Him. The yira actually draws you closer. Because you're clinging, because you're nurturing that relationship. If you're drowning in the ocean, so you're grabbing onto someone with every ounce of your being. So are you going to get distracted at that moment? You're drowning in the sea, and someone throws you a rope, and you're holding onto that rope. Do you think your mind is going to wander and you're going to forget, let go of the rope by accident because your mind wandered? You get in a conversation with the guy drowning next to you, so you forget to hold on to the rope. You start thinking about, did I leave the oven on? So you forget, no. You know, if you know that holding on to the hand of that person who's reached for you while you're falling, this is my only chance at survival. So you're going to hold that hand like you never held the hand before. You're going to hold the hand until you've cut off the blood supply of the person's hand. Like a child who clings to the mother. So what are you worried about? When you're clinging to the person who extended your hand, you're worried they're going to withdraw their hand. You're worried they're going to get tired. You're worried they're not going to continue to hold your hand. I have no life. I have no future. I have no chance at survival without it. So, whereas when we began, we thought Yira is the opposite of Dveikas. How can awe of God or fear of God, how could that possibly generate closeness? Isn't it the opposite? But the Salam Rebbe has now turned it over to say, no, it's, Yira generates Dveikas. When you live with a sense of awe, when you recognize that we are utterly dependent, reliant, that we need Hashem, so now you cling to Him. You grab that hand. You don't let go. You hold, and you're mindful and cognizant and aware that you're holding onto that hand all the time. B'chein Midas will end with this, Ava Mivia, L'dveikas HaGemura, Koloshan HaRambam. The Rambam explains in Elchus Truva, Shemefarsh B'mitos Avas Hashem, Ketar Ya'ava Ruya Hushi'evos Hashem Ava Gedol Yisera Oza Ma'od. What is Ava? That you love Hashem, this powerful love, this intense love. To your life, your soul is bound in loving God. You know when a young couple get engaged and they're obsessed with one another, it's nauseating and miserable to be around. <laughs> Making googly eyes at each other and you just, you're just uncomfortable even being in the same room with them and they're just obsessed with one another and they're showing, like, isn't it so cute what he does, it's amazing what she does and you're just, right? Hushoge batamid. Whether you're sitting or standing, you're eating, you're drinking, all you can do is you're consumed, you're obsessed with the other person, you're madly in love, you're infatuated, that's all you think about. So we have that capacity to feel that towards Hashem. So what the Salaam Rabbi has pointed out is, Dveikas is a mitzvah, but there's two paths we take towards it. You can get towards feeling... You can beget towards being driven to cling to Hashem through Yira, by having all utter reliance and utter dependence. And you can get close to Hashem through Ava, through love, and through closeness. And so, this is uh, like a support group. It's something we all need to work on and to support one another. And, and uh, Amuna is a muscle. The more we exercise it, the bigger, the stronger it grows. 
And it's, it's not like one of these mitzvahs that, oh, it takes great sacrifice, it's hard work, I really wish I didn't have to. If we can fulfill it, like Rabbi Soloveitchik said, if we can live with yira, then we can free ourselves and unburden ourselves of every other fear and anxiety. If you crave a life of tranquility and serenity, where you're not anxious and you're not worried about things in your life, you know, things in my life, things in our life, there's challenges, there's things that arise, you sit and you say, why me? How am I going through this? And I'm at a breaking point and there's no way I can do this anymore. You have to stop and catch yourself and take a deep breath and pause and say, you know what? It's not true. For whatever reason I'm going through, there's a reason. And I wouldn't be going through this if it wouldn't make me stronger and I wouldn't come out on the other side better. And I'm not going through it alone. Hashem is standing right next to me. And Hashem is in pain with me. And Hashem is the solution. So I'm not going to use this as an excuse to feel further from Hashem and to question and to walk away and to say, where are you and how can you do this? I'm going to use this to hold that hand, to hold on tight. Hashem, I'm drowning. In the moment of feeling like a breaking point is when you have to hold on to His hand even tighter than ever and not let go. And then you feel unburdened, calm, peace. And you say, okay, what do I have to do? Now let me break down what do I have to do today? I'm overwhelmed by my schedule, by my obligations, by my responsibility. I'm overwhelmed by whatever it is, financial, it could be a million and one things. I can do it. I can't get overwhelmed by it. Break it down. Tap into the Amun Bitachon, the Dvekos of Yira and Ava. And now you're ready to go do what you have to do. And Amir Tashem, if we do this, we can all live with that Simcha that we all crave. Have a great day.